We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. Hey, I got a bone to pick. <laughs> Guys, I am so fired up. Sleep deprived and all. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> you probably cut off your hot dog. You don't need it on a pie. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster T.O. and Fanta Podcast. Yes, it is the DTF Podcast. It is November 27th. It is currently 12, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the only legitimate time zone. My name is Rob Dosser. I got Terrence Oglesby. I got John Fanta with me. We got a lot to talk about, guys. Feast Week just finished up. Purdue looks unbelievable. Marquette looks unbelievable. Creighton looks the opposite of unbelievable. We have a lot to get to with all of these games and all of Villanova. Villanova looks like, well, I, I don't want to tease it too much because I know you got a lot to say about Villanova here. We're going to talk all about Feast Week. I'm going to see if I can survive the fact that I got absolutely bodied on Twitter last night. I don't know if you guys saw this. No. Did you see it? No. All right. We'll wait till the end of the show because I don't think we want to open the show on DePaul. Um, no. Again. Absolutely yeah. I do. What's wrong with DePaul? So I, I tweeted something about uh, about how DePaul, after losing to Northern Illinois, posted this like graphic on social media that was a picture of the final score, losing by 10 at yeah. home, where the background of the shot was nothing but empty seats. Right. Mm-hmm. And I trolled Blue Demon Degen a little bit because it's one of my favorite things to do is to troll him a little bit. And he responded with a quote tweet of almost word for word when I went at uh one of the like the, the burner accounts that likes to break try to break news who got news wrong. Yeah. Did you guys see that? And he that he roasted me, and I'm I'm just glad that I survived that. It was brutal. I couldn't. It was one of those ones where someone says something and you got to be like, oh, shit. Did I just got to pretend it? like I didn't see that. I got to pretend like I haven't opened up Twitter in a day because I cannot yeah. respond to that one. <laughs> I haven't seen and it. And the sun came up. The mm-hmm. sun came up this morning. At the end of the day, it's Twitter. It's X, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. People are going to say stuff. They're going to say stuff all the time. It comes out. It drops all that stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, Rob, I'm going to tell you, Blue Demon D-Gen is down bad enough. He doesn't have to hear <laughs> any more from us. Don't beat a dead horse. Blue Demon D-Gen is a dead horse right now. If you're a DePaul fan, if you are a DePaul Oof. fan, God bless you. The pain that you've been through, you it's do rough. not deserve. Nobody DePaul, deserves that. Nobody you know what I can't that. wait for? DePaul should never be this awful. They should no. never be in the place that they're in right now. So Never. I was thinking, I was thinking about it, right? And I was circling games um, a couple weeks ago, just kind of looking through and, and looking at the future schedule and seeing. I like, know what you're where, gonna say. Where we can go and do field of sixty eight live shows from, and one of them was like Purdue, Arizona, and Indianapolis. That would be a massive one. That's the same day as Kansas, Indiana, and Bloomington. Like those, that would be a massive day. It's too big of a day for us to do, and it doesn't work with the scheduling. But that'd be a massive day if we could do it, right? UConn at Kansas massive show we could find a way to pull it off there's like a whole bunch of baylor plays duke in madison square garden on december 20th massive show if we could do it right jimmy v classic massive show you know what one of the ones i circled was louisville DePaul in chicago at Wintrust arena on saturday december 9th to you in we doing it field 68 live show let me check my schedule real quick let me check my schedule december 9th <laughs> I am, ironically enough, I am available that day. Okay. So, so 
here's the deal. All right. So DePaul is one in five. They just lost to Northern Illinois. We could talk all day about the deficiencies in the state of the program. But but this is worse, okay? This is worse than the score graphic with nobody in the seats. On their men's basketball schedule, they list promotions with games, right? Like a lot of teams do. The DePaul-Louisville game, December 9th, at one local time. The promotion of the game is currently House of Blues Day. It's a fact. He's not making that up. That's real. Like the movie. Like the movie. Like the movie. Meanwhile, we need to be there for that. Meanwhile, for that. December 16th against Northwestern has the promotion labeled the biggest game in Chicago. I'm sorry, but this this is not. I'm I, I appreciate you trying to promote and all that, but the, the house of blues one, the that's, jokes, that's, the jokes write themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, I don't know if you saw it to on, uh, on Sunday night. Here, here's a question for you. And I, I really want you to honestly answer this question as best as you can. Okay. Since you're an ACC guy and all Louisville okay. an ACC program. Okay. Louisville played a game where they needed New Mexico state to get down to four players after six guys fouled out and their best player didn't play in <laughs> overtime to be able to hang on and beat them. If I gave you the ability to pick any four players that you want in college basketball, could you put together a lineup of four guys that were good enough to beat Louisville four on five? Oh yeah. Um, hey, look, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> And I'm not going to search for an answer for that question. But I, what, what I will say about Louisville is this. Hey, a win's a win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you beggars can't be choosers at this point. They won four games last year. They've already won three. I see substantial improvement, guys. Hey, must win game, though, for Louisville. They play Bellarmine next. You have to win that game. Yes. You have to win that game. They are right down the road. They're in the A-Sun. You absolutely have to win that game. Yes. And if they win that they game, lost you get it last year. that's what I'm saying. This year has to be a win. Has they to be did. a win. Or else, the pe- or else the people like literally right down the road can just mock you for, <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're two years running now. Bellarmine running Louisville, the city of Louisville. You it's have to win enough. that. It's bad enough they got to hear it from the Kentucky fans right now. And Kentucky looks. Yeah. Crazy. Imagine having to pile on from Bellarmine. And look, <laughs> and Bellarmine, that, that's, a, that's a good program for the level they're at. For the level they're at, mm-hmm. it's a good program. However, you got to win that game. Have to. Yep. So Tyler Kolick, Jacoby Walter, Dalton Connect, or Alex Caravan, and Zach Eady. All right. I'll take those four. We're taking those four. And you think that you got a chance? You think you're going to be? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and, and, and here's the best part about that the majority of the team I just listed, they were all in Maui. Yeah. They were all yeah. there. That's the I greatest see. Maui invitational ever. Yeah, yeah, so let's get into that. Let, let, let's start with this. Um, before we talk about winners and losers and everything, I just want like your one biggest takeaway from Feast Week. And, and I'll open it up just, just to kind of give you guys uh, an idea of what I'm thinking of here is that for me, Maui Invitational always delivers, right? Always, always, always unquestionably delivers. It was better than we've ever seen it this year. It was unbelievable. I, I had so much fun watching that event. So jealous Mike Miller was able to go out there. By the way, Field of 68 Daily, make you make sure you subscribe. It's less than a dollar a day uh, to be able to support those writers. Um, the battle for Atlantis, that pretty much always delivers at this point. Villanova was awesome in that event. We're going to talk a lot about that. I know T.O. has some takes on them. North Carolina looked pretty damn good uh, for North Carolina. Um, and I just think it's so important for those two tournaments to be really, really good during that week, especially Maui, because Maui is the Monday to Wednesday. It's after uh, a football Sunday, right? Then you have three days where there's not all that much going on as people are getting ready for Thanksgiving. Then you got to compete with uh, football on Thursday, some football on Friday, football on Saturday, football on Sunday. But those three days, Monday through Wednesday, that's huge for college basketball to be that important. We set records 
for viewership on the field of 68 for those three days, right? To have that be relevant and be big is just so big for the sport. I loved seeing the Maui Invitational. I love seeing the Battle for Atlantis pay off and deliver. And it was just, it was a great week of college hoops. And I think Feast Week is so important, fan. That's that was my biggest takeaway. We need this for college basketball. Feast Week is the closest that we get in terms of chaos to March Madness because yeah. you're playing every day or you're playing every other day. Mm-hmm. And it is the real start of the season. Do I think that the timeline of college basketball should be changed? No, because I'll tell you this much. When you play the first couple of weeks, by the time you get to this this past week, you have an idea of who you are as a team. And that's why Feast Week's so big, because you've played a couple of games. Some teams have been tested. Others have not. And, and guys, what's the only way to find out about yourselves? And what's the only way for us to find out about you as a team? It's if we get to watch you play more and more and more games. In December, we actually find out less about some of these teams because of finals. And Mm -hmm. and between like December 10th and the 18th or 19th, it's kind of barren with the exception of that Saturday. So December is not as wild as a month. We have some elite matchups, but Feast Week is huge. It is such a gift in college basketball. It's one of the best things the sport has going for it. And guys, there were some teams that finished in the back half Okay, of Battle for Atlantis and Maui and other events. There were some teams that played well and lost. UCLA played well and finished seventh at the Maui Invitational. That's how great the Maui was. Uh, it is a gift. It is a gift for college basketball that that we get, you know, UCLA finished sixth, that we get uh, this level of competition. Feast Week is awesome, awesome, awesome in every way. It should be unchanged. And you're right, Rob, especially in a non-PK 80, 85, because we've gotten used to the Phil Knight Invitationals as well. This was back to the roots. You know, as much as the PK has been an awesome event, Portland doesn't have the same vibe. When that when the PK goes on like it did last year, they take some of those teams that would be in Maui or Atlantis and take them for there. Nothing against the PK, but th- there's just not as much of a vibe in Portland. Even in Honolulu. Even in Honolulu, did you see the crowd at mm-hmm. those games in the semis in the final? It was unfreaking believable. I love Feast Week. Never change it. Yep. TL? No, I, I, the only thing I would think is uh, I would I would kind of change is like that first week. I, I would love to go back to that 24 hours of hoop thing just to kind of start it off. Uh, I, I understand the Champions Classic moving back a week. You kind of want to know your teams. Uh, but – this is when the original start date was, right? Like right at the end of November, as opposed to the beginning of it. And this is like Fanta said, the kickoff of the whole thing. And I remember when uh, the battle for Atlantis first started, it was like, man, it's weird. They're in, they kind of have these pop-up bleachers and they're, they're shooting in a weird spot and it's kind of a weird place to do it. And, they just continue to bring in some of the best teams. And, and the Bahamar too is catching up But what they have down there. Is it the Bahamas jam or something like it's, there's a lot more good tournaments now and they're being sought out just because I, I don't feel like you lose a lot by playing these games. And I think the way the metrics are concerned right now, you're going to see a lot of big, big name against big, big named games, especially in these MTEs, because you don't necessarily lose a whole lot by losing some of these quad one games. So yeah, that's, thanks. yeah. So, so you should play these high marquee games. Like, you know, now you have the ACC SEC challenge coming up. That's going to be fun. You're going to have, uh, you know some of these other some of these other league by league competitions yep, coming up. So so you know we've we're falling into something right before finals. Before it kind of, we kind of hit a lull when the kids are on campus by themselves. Uh, this is the best part of of college basketball season outside of you know the big dance and all the conference tournaments at the end of the year. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I I, I loved it. It always delivers, and I think more than any other year, it del- like the Marquette Purdue game. We recorded awesome. our last pod before that game was played. Like that was a great college basketball game. And it happened so long ago. That's kind of hard to like, it feels like it happened 10 years ago and it happened four days ago, but that was a great college basketball game from how well Purdue, Purdue played in the first half to the response from Marquette to like the different battles that you have between the matchups and the, uh, the, the way the two teams played to you. Like that was a great college basketball game. Yep. And I thought it was really cool. You, you saw those conflicting styles 
and we're not talking Purdue right now, but I thought it showed a lot about their evolution because Marquette throws a lot of different things at you. Um, and they're pressuring, they're not pressuring, they're zoned, they're not zoned, they're running and jumping, they're not jumping, they're playing. So, like, to me, that showed a lot about Purdue and their ability to play against different schemes. And then they play Tennessee where they're big and physical at points, and then Braden Smith plays awesome against the Kai Ziegler, and then they switch over big on him, and then he continues to play well, like – I thought, you know, as far as anything is concerned, I thought Purdue showed about as well as anybody. And I understand that, you know, they're top three, but their ability, their, their concerns last year and over the last couple of tournaments has been how they've been able to handle pressure against smaller teams. Well, you saw what they did against Marquette, who I would argue they're going to score 80 points a game no matter what. And they were able to figure those things out and still score up there. We need to change the narrative today on Purdue. Mm-hmm. And we need to give them their flowers. We can focus on everything in March when that time rolls around. The fact of the matter is this, gentlemen. Dating back to November 28th of last season, okay? So for basically the last 365 days, it's 362 exactly. For the last year, Purdue has been a top five team in college basketball. They entered the top five. After winning the PK-85 last year, they have not been out of the top five of the AP poll since. Mm -hmm. And as we talk today, they're going to be the number one team in the country as well they should be. Mm -hmm. They absolutely are the unanimous top team in the country. And they are because of how they went through the grinder of this Maui Invitational. Let's face it. If you were significantly off, you were not going to win. If you were off, you were not going to win. Just ask Kansas against Marquette. Kansas didn't have it, and they got beat by double digits. That really was not a game uh, as mm-hmm. it went on. Marquette had them beat. And in that final, for, for Purdue, first off, you get past Gonzaga, who put together a, a, a valiant effort. Uh, by the way, Anton Watson had a great week. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but you, you, you beat him. Then you move on, and you get to the semifinals. And, and guys, I mean, when you look at Tennessee and how tough they are, and how much of a that was a slug of a game. But Purdue said, you're calling us soft? You're going to call us soft? You don't think we have the stamina to win these types of games? I thought, Rob, that Purdue showed a lot in that effort. Was it ugly? Was it physical? Was it a Tennessee-style game? Yes, it was. But Purdue showed they can win a game in a variety of ways. They showed that Lance Jones, Miles Colvin, those guys that they've brought in, have given them something. And I like that against Tennessee, it was Fletcher Lawyer. Against Marquette, it was Braden Smith. Those guys are more mature. They're better off as a result. And what Zach Eady is doing is absolutely ridiculous to a point that I think I think a lot of people are, are now bored by everything he does. But we are watching greatness right now. Let's relish this. Let's relish that it's not like, Let's appreciate the fact that it's not coming from Duke or Kansas or Kentucky or Carolina. It's coming out of West Lafayette, Indiana. I hope that it lives up to it in March. But right now, give the Boilermakers all the flowers that they deserve. You just said it. We are. We are watching greatness. Yeah, and and the thing that I love about Zach Eady is that he is a great ambassador for the sport of college basketball, right? Like what well, we've been to multiple Purdue games now, Fanta, and to see how much time he spends afterwards, making sure he signs autographs for everyone. Uh, let's put it into perspective, right? We went to the Ohio state game last year and he spent quite literally an hour signing shirts, shoes, hats, taking selfies for every fan that stayed and waited for him. He does wow. that after, or he did that last year after every home game, he doesn't stay for more than an hour. Like he, it takes him about 10 minutes this year to be able to get through it because he signed everything for basically every Purdue fan. Like he got them all last year and he's like, he went out. So when we had him on the show, when we went to the Xavier game, right. Yep. He came in and sat down with us and he was like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm here quickly because I waited to sign for everybody, but I guess I already signed. He was out there looking for people to sign autographs for great kid, great ambassador for the program. And I will say this, we can, we can talk about it more um, in the future. Cause we got to see him win, but I think the changes, the additions with Lance Jones, the addition, the the improvement of Braden Smith, I think this team is much more better suited 
much more better suited, much more suited to being able to make a run in March. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code field. 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When crossing state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will tell this, tell you this, though, I, and I'm going to pivot to who won Feast Week because I think Marquette, to me, was the biggest winner out of Feast Week. And this is my argument why, even though they lost. I don't know how many people viewed them as like a legitimate national title contender heading into the Maui Invitational, right? I think most people probably felt that they would lose to Kansas. I think most people probably looked at them and said, hey, this is the team that lost to Michigan State. This is the team that got beat in the second round of the tournament. This is Marquette. This is Shocker. They don't make deep runs, blah, 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 whatever. Um, they beat the brakes off a really good Kansas team. Before anyone says anything, Kansas has a win over Kentucky. Kansas has a win over, uh, uh, over Tennessee, which are two top 10 teams. Kansas is uh, missing one player. Like they, they probably need to figure out what they're doing in the two spot, but they're still Bill Self. They're still Hunter Dickinson. They're still Dewan Harris, and they have a lot of good wins. And Marquette just handled them easily. Then they go and they take on a Purdue team where Purdue shot made nine of the first 11 threes, including a, a three-quarter court shot. And Marquette found a way to have the ball with a chance to tie at the end of regulation. I thought they were very, very impressive. I thought that they were... Uh, they basically played the best team in college basketball to a one possession game. They can win a national title to To me, that was the biggest winner is that they proved to everyone they can win a national title. Yeah. And they can score on any given night. And they've got so many guys that can do it. Even on nights where Tyler Kolick is in foul trouble or something like that, or, or, you know, David Joplin steps up one night, the next day it's Cam Jones starting things off with the floor. And then Chase Ross has to play well the next game in order for them to kind of keep going. There's just so much scoring on that team. And, and I love the fact that they switch so many things up. And I'm telling you that the unsung guy for that team is Osoa Godaro, man. Like he just figures it out for you. He's able to guard, 
He, it, your offense stagnates. He pops right up there to the elbow, and then they're right into what they do. They're so incredibly difficult to defend because they hardly ever call set plays. Mm-hmm. And in in the modern college game, that is not necessarily the case. In the Big East, that is not necessarily the case. There's a lot of set plays called, and it's really difficult to scout. You just have to be extremely fundamentally sound for the entire 30 seconds, and that's extremely difficult for young people to do. They're running an NBA offense because they have a five-man in Iguodaro that can just make decisions, and they never – they never get stuck. That's that's the most befuddling thing. They never get stuck. There's always an exit. There's always a point of uh, they can always enter into what they want to do, and then things just start to flow organically on their own. And they they have guards that are willing to let it go. Like mm-hmm. Tyler Kolick, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen him get the ball on an inbounds pass and just throw it cross court because Cam Jones is over there. And for no other reason than the ball changes the size of the floor – Cam hasn't touched it in a couple of possessions. I'm just going to let him dribble it up. They're so smart, so unselfish. And Nigadaro is kind of the unsung guy there. Yep. They are a momentum-based team in that when they get one, it trickles. Sure. So the hardest game for them to play in was the UCLA game. You know why? They, they Everybody expected them to win that game and that they would have it. But you're facing a Mick Cronin team at full strength that's upset-minded and that's going to play their asses off. And and by the way, I was really impressed with Sebastian Mack. I was impressed with Andrews. And I, I thought UCLA looked really good in that game. And we talked about it last week. And their upside's there. But once Marquette got through that, guys, it tells us everything we need to know that Tyler Kolek shot three for nine. Hmm. He turned the ball over four times. He did not play well against Kansas. And Marquette won by 14. Part of the reason why Marquette is a national championship contender is that last year they needed Kolick and Omax Prosper and Cam Jones to be great, to beat the best. This team's deeper. And Shaka Smart's willingness to play his guys, some reserves, in tough spots was huge this week. I think Sean Jones is very much improved mm-hmm. and much more comfortable at making the right plays. I thought that he had a really nice showing this past week. Chase Ross defensively adds something. He's gotten better offensively. He had 12-6 and six in the win over Kansas. Jones and Ross, and as Ben Gold continues to figure it out, but even the freshman Trey Norman and Zay Lowry, there's potential there. The fact is, for Kolick to only make three shots and turn the ball over four times against Kansas, if you to- if we talked about that before the game, he would have said, how much did Kansas win by and what did Dewan Harris do? Marquette mm. didn't win. They commanded Kansas. And mm. against Purdue, you know, you go down, right, Terrence? And, 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 and Rob, you go down in a game to Purdue. In my head, I'm thinking, God, what do I have to do from three to get back in the game? Like, what? how many threes do I have to make to get back in the game? Marquette shot five for 17 from three against Purdue. And they were right there at the end. You know why? Kolick and Jones, their ability to drive the lane and be patient. They didn't always go up to score. They'd sometimes take you in a figure eight, roll right around back to the center of the key, and then deliver a pass or go up with a shot. But the biggest revelation of this past week for Marquette was Oso Iguodaro. He's a he monster, showed, man. He showed he's one of the best bigs in the country. He's a monster. All right, so I had Marquette as the biggest winner of Feast Week. Uh, who did you guys have? I had Villanova. Congratulations to Kyle Neptune, man. And then how about Villanova being 9-0 and in that event all time? Yeah. Like, those, di- those guys aren't at the craps tables. Those guys aren't at the craps tables. Chris Mack told a great story with you the other day, Fanta, where, like, a team they were going to play, their players were out playing craps until 4 in the morning. Yes. And then he comes out and hits six threes. Villanova's not out there. Uh, hey, did you see uh, Did you see Alan Ray's tweet and Colin Gillespie's tweet? The they, were, they were talking about how, like, there was uh, they wouldn't be able to go out when they were on those events. And Colin Gillespie was like, yeah, we used to have a plan, <laughs> me and Phil Booth. We would bring an iPad. That iPad would get confiscated. And then we would pull out the back out iPad that we could have when we were on the trips. Because Jay Wright would take their phones and iPads and stuff to make them, like, interact. So they would always have the backup uh the backup technology to be able to use when they were on those trips. Bad culture, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's amazing. Like 
what talent will do. And you know what? There's still there. There's a couple. There was a couple times during their game. Fanta, which game was it that I, we were talking about? And I was like, why in the world have they not called the timeout? Carolina, because Carolina. It was against Carolina because Carolina was getting that ball out of the net, and they were pushing it, and they were getting layups. It was fast, and it was like it really felt that momentum kind of got in Carolina. It went, it went in Carolina's favor, and they didn't call timeouts, and they just kind of let their guys figure it out from there. It was unique. It was fun. Uh, they're huge. T.J. Bomba fits Villanova. Uh, Tyler Burton fits Villanova. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember a couple of years ago, Villanova played at UCLA. And the biggest concern for Villanova fans was, do we really have something at the five with Eric Dixon? He's undersized. He does all this. And, I, and I'm sitting there watching. I was like, guys, he's not flashy. He doesn't do a ton. But the sucker's never in the wrong spot defensive. He's never in the wrong spot. And he's so physical when he plays. He's undersized. He's long. But he's just... He's he's not going to yell at you, but he's just going to be in the right spot. He has improved. He's shooting runaway threes, and he adds another dimension to Villanova at that five spot to where now even they're even more wide open to where they've more than they've ever been. Uh, so look, they're playing well. They're moving the ball well. They're like sized, so it provides a lot of switching opportunities. And every one of those Villanova dudes looks like you know they can play wide receiver in the NFL, like as far as body size is concerned, because they're big, they're strong, they're switchable. Uh, talent helps, and whenever you play a system like Villanova plays, which is the same system Jay Wright had, it, when you play that system, it, it, it's more so. Let me get the right guys with the ball in their hands, and then let's create closeouts. And now that Dixon's making shots, buddy, like it's they are difficult to guard. And I thought this was a huge weekend, not just for the program Villanova, but for for Kyle Neptune to be able to get that three and th- three and three days. I thought it was tremendous. Got to give them their flowers. So a Big East head coach texted me last night. Very surprising. Don't. And and it wasn't from one of the, the bottom teams in the league. It uh, wasn't even from a former Field of 68 cast member who's now a Big East head coach. It was from a random head coach in the league who texted me late last night and said, I'm watching Villanova. Oh, no, dot, dot, dot. They found it. Yep. Glad we got them last year. They found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hope, you, hope you hope you got your Villanova jokes out of the way last year. Talent wins. Yes. And and they cleaned up in the transfer portal. They spent in and around $3 million on, on the roster. That's been reported. Mike Jensen had that in a, in a Philadelphia Inquirer report. That's not news, but if you, if you haven't heard it yet, yeah, Villanova, they had to make drastic changes uh, because the expectation is, is that they're going to make deep NCAA tournament runs. It should be when you've won national titles in 2016 and 2018. Dixon was phenomenal. They, they're balanced. The win over Memphis, Memphis never stood a chance in that game, but the win over bad, Memphis. bad, man. Memphis, how about this? I've never seen this before, Fanta. Memphis went on a 21 to nothing run, and at the end of the run, they were still down by 14 points. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. So agree with you. Agree with you. That's how the Villanova-Maryland game went. Yeah. Maryland, Maryland at one point. Maryland at one point had gone on like a 16-0 run. They were within 20. So Villanova lost to Penn and in the ensuing 11 days racked up four wins over top, top 60 Ken Palm teams, dog-walked Maryland and Memphis, beat Carolina. Like, if you actually look at the Big East and you look at the quantification of wins, Villanova has the most quality wins in the league. Yep. The most, the most. Yep. Okay, Marquette's got the best one. My winner, though, is not in the Big East. Okay. My winner is in the Big 12, Oklahoma. The Sooners won the Rady Children's Invitational. Porter Moser's team was picked to finish 12th, 12th in the 14 team Big 12. A massive win over USC, in which Otego Away comes up with a game winning putback just shy of the buzzer. To win the Sooners the game. This is after a game in which they deed up Iowa. They defended the hell out of Iowa. Iowa could not hit a shot, but Iowa's capable. Oklahoma defended really well. And as we wake up this morning, the team that was picked to finish 12th in the Big 12 has a right to be in that top 25. They're Ken Palm 23rd. They're top 33 in offense and defense. And guys, 
by having a couple of sophomores, okay, uh, Milo Suzan, Otego away, but by cleaning up in the transfer portal, John Hughley was a good player at Pitt. Like, John Hughley had a very good run at Pittsburgh. That was a really nice pickup. He's physical. He makes plays. He's a winner. He defends. And J.D. McCollum, very quietly, was a bucket getter at Siena. McCollum had a really nice run uh, for Carmen Masarello and Siena. That was a great get, a very quietly great get by Porter Moser. But this is one of Moser's best po- coaching jobs. Will it sustain? Will it last the whole year? I, I think it will. I think it will. But you I, know what I wrote down for them, Fana? I like them. They're a winner. I wrote down, they give me some Arizona vibes in the sense that you have a really good coach that went out and got more athletic, but got more versatile. He added, you mentioned McCollum. I think a big one was getting Jalen Moore from, was it Georgia Tech, right, T.O.? He was at Georgia Tech? I think he was at Georgia Tech. It I'm was 80- at Georgia Tech. A yeah. sophomore last Georgia year. Georgia Tech. Yeah. Did you say Virginia Tech or Georgia Tech? Yeah. I, Georgia, I Tech. Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah. So six, five, six, yeah. 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 They got more athletic. They're they're more switchable. They got some more shot makers. And here's the most impressive part. Otega Owe is definitely taking a step forward. Yes. Everybody thought in the offseason that Milos Uzan was going to be the biggest breakout star in that program. And we haven't even seen him really kind of figure it out this year. I'm I'm in on Oklahoma as a as a tournament team. And the Big 12 has shown in the first three weeks that they're number one, and there's not even a debate for it. I mean, I'm just, uh, there's not, guys. There's not. Guys, they have eight teams in the top 31 of Kempom. So does the eight. so does the SEC. So does the SEC. That's the only argument I'd make. And, look, I probably would lean towards the Big 12, but I think that if I really wanted to, I can make an argument that the SEC is the second best. Um, all right. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right on that. Yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry that I can make an argument the SEC is the best, but I I, I agree that it's the Big Twelve. Um, I, and then I also think it's like those are the top two. We don't need to get in that argument again. <laughs> we don't need to go down. We don't need to rent the bench conferences again. All right, let's go do. The SEC uh, has a clear bottom though. The SEC, like the Big Twelve, the Big Twelve, the the worst team right now in the Big Twelve analytically. UCF. UCF. Yeah, is UCF who's down in a bad way. Yeah, they're down bad. Um, all right, biggest loser from Feast Week. Can I go first on this one, guys? Yeah, Arkansas. I'm worried about. Yeah, the, 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 if nothing else, the loss of Tremont Mark at the end of the game. Yeah. So one, you lose the guy that had kind of turned into, and it doesn't sound like it's something serious, right? Like the the reports coming out of there. It didn't that, look that that was kind of a strange thing because it didn't look. It looked like he got a stinger landed on mm-hmm. his left side, and he was scared to move it. And I've gotten those; they hurt. Yes. But I, I, the fact that they carted him off, I was like, man, he must have just had a freak accident. It didn't look bad. That was a weird thing about it. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. It, I interrupted. No, no, I, it doesn't. It it looks. He landed right for the people who didn't see. He kind of went up in the air. He got taken out um, off balance and basically landed like right on his lower back, flat on his back from pretty. Yeah, high his left air. hip. Yeah, yeah, and um, it, he got carted off. It, it seemed like it was something that was going to be serious. He went to the hospital. He was released. I haven't seen an update in a couple of days from them, but um, hopefully he'll be back soon because they need him. He had 34 points against North Carolina on like 13 for 17 shooting. But yeah, he was the awesome. go-to guy. And Caleb Battle was like the other guy, and he hasn't really been that efficient. And Devo Davis doesn't look like he's taken the step forward that we thought he would. And uh, Trevon Brazil is – you know, was hasn't been scoring the ball well. And looks like he's still coming off the ACL. I thought that, that team would be better a little bit quicker. They are not quite there. That's kind of their deal, though. Yeah, they figure things like Musk puts these people together and figures it out in December and January. And once he has it in February and March, and they make their run, so they 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 still have the upside. But I, I was I was less impressed than I thought I would be heading into that event. Yeah, they're they're a loser, but it's the team that lost to them that's the biggest loser. Stanford. I mean, Stanford placed last in the in the battle for Atlantis. It's it's not a secret that Jared Haas is uh, firmly on the hot seat. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think like they care to, enough. I don't like. To, yeah, it's it's going to be time for a change there. The Cardinal are going to make a change after this season. They they're entering. It's also the right time to make a change because you're entering a new conference. Agreed. So you you got to change things up. You're three and four. First off, you, you should have beat Arkansas. They had the game one. Yeah. They had that game one. They were up by four in the final minute of regulation. 
but then they realized they were Stanford and peed down their leg. I mean, <laughs> that was just a joke of a of a close to regulation by the Cardinal. You got to be better. I mean, I'm just I was watching the game. All right, and Arkansas had no business winning that game. And you guys are right. Like I have concerns about Arkansas. I think that they'll be that they'll figure it out. But they were playing individual individualistic basketball uh, in Atlantis. It was a lot of let me take you one on one. There was, and sometimes that works. And they play that sometimes, but it wasn't working. But then you followed up. You lose to Michigan, okay? Who might be the most confusing team in the sport? But then you come back. You play Northern Iowa. And you lost by 22. You lost. You got ran. Or you were you. I hope. I hope Stanford players that you played at the tables. Because that was the they only did. Hey, I bet you they did. Yeah. yeah well, guess like what? That. You lost by 22 in fitting fashion because that's a bust. Yeah. And they're Stanford it's guys. So they probably they pro- the, the reason they were probably outlays because they probably won counting cards. They're Stanford guys. Yeah. They're smart enough. Well, uh, my other... they shot five for 26 from three, and Jared Bynum just wasn't good enough. Providence transfer, he just hasn't been good enough for them. Yeah. Uh, and nailed my other biggest loser, Fanta, which was, which was, well, me for being all in on Michigan after they won three games against uh, basically. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, though. Like, I can't blame you for that. I because... blame myself. I, you know what? I blame myself. I fell into the trap. All they need now is Jawan Howard to come back and save the day. I liked it. I liked it. They they ran. They absolutely obliterated St. John's. In the garden. Yeah, and when you watch that, you're like, St. John's is crap. They're crap. And then St. John's went back. They, <laughs> they took two or three. They just, you know, they won by 46 the other day. Like, they look bad. They're, they're getting better every day. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know who else is disappointing? I know they're shorthanded, but West Virginia has been disappointing. They, they went 0 for 2 down in Fort Myers disappointment for hey you know who else i was disappointed by honestly to i was dis- i thought virginia would play better that's where i was going that's where that i was going virginia. take it away to talk to us what about you no what that was that, that that's where i'm at i i was gonna say virginia as well i said them last night on the Bayheim cast that uh if you were able to check it out it was fun it was great he told some stories we got him going uh no i think virginia just simply because like you know, you, you lay an egg against a Wisconsin team that's like-minded in their approach. And then in your rebound game down in Fort Myers, you play a West Virginia team that's so shorthanded, it's insane. They've gone through all kinds of stuff in the offseason. And you're being looked at to be one of these guys or one of these teams to kind of keep the ACC's metrics afloat. You can't lose by 20-something points to Wisconsin. And Wisconsin's not even playing with Connor Asijian, who's – in a tiff with his coach or whatever's going on over there. I have no idea what's going on over there. I don't know if it's a tiff. I don't know what's going on. So let me just clear that up. But uh, it's that to me was disappointing because those metrics struggle whenever, uh, you, you know, you don't beat the teams you're supposed to. And West Virginia only beating them by two is not a good look. And look, Virginia is not a team. That style is not a team to where you're going to be able to, one, run away from teams, and two, you're not going to be able to come back from a deficit because it's hard. Uh, playing at that pace and you have to get out of what you do in order to catch back up so you have to play well from the jump if you're Virginia and that leaves you susceptible and you play Wisconsin on a neutral side and you get your doors blown off and then you play West Virginia who's not nearly as talented as you are and you only win by two Virginia is the biggest loser in my part that's they're the biggest ones in my is, is that fixable like can can they come back? Like I just, I just, my question is, do they just have like a bad couple days, or is this kind of who they are? Well, well I, I think the answer to that question might be next Wednesday, the 29th, or this Wednesday, the 29th. They play Texas A&M at home. Can you kind of regroup and get your win? Because after that, you know, it gets pretty easy up until December 19th. They play Syracuse at home, which, I, by the way, I'm surprised at how quick Syracuse has picked up pretty solid man principles. They're not there yet. They're still figuring it out under red, but surprise there. Uh, Texas A&M, though, that's going to be a monster test for them. I'm interested to see how that happens. Yep. In the first field of 68 tip-off, three of the preeminent mid-major programs in the country, three of the best coaches, November 30th, Liberty versus FAU, December 1st, Liberty versus Charleston, December 2nd, Charleston versus FAU. Three up-and-coming programs come together in a very, very creative entity. There's a reason we're called the field of 68, right? We want to cover all of college basketball. 
We are calling it the Field of 68 tip-off. You and this is where we got to talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It is the place you can store your own predictions forever. And by using the Vaulted Challenge feature, you can prove that you're smarter than your enemies like Jeff Goodman. Go and download the Vaulted app, V-L-T-E-D. Get the free trial and store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. We, uh, we're going to play a quick little game here. Um, All right. We got, about, we got about 10 minutes left. Okay. Uh, it's called Hot or Not. I have written down five hot takes uh, that I have from the last week of college basketball. And I want your guys' opinion on whether these are hot takes, whether they're good takes, whether they're smart takes, whether they're dumb takes, whether I need to uh, to find something else to do with my time. So we're going to start with this, and we're going to head up to the uh, to the Legends Classic. It was at the Barclays Center, where Baylor beat Oregon State pretty handily, and then beat a Florida team that I've actually been uh, relatively impressed by. Hot or not? Baylor is the most talented team in the Big 12. Most talented? Most not talented hot. team in the Big 12. Not hot. It's not hot. Hot is extreme. This is not hot. They are in there. They have the ability. I mean, the fact that you could play through Jacoby Walter here and there, you could play through Ray J. Dennis, and then you could play through Jalen Bridges, They can, it's interchangeable. It's interchangeable. And honestly – like Houston has the most talented backcourt, but it's close. I mean, you could you could argue Baylor on a, another day. I can't wait to watch Houston and Baylor play. And you still have Kansas, who has the best all around player in Dickinson. But I, I have like I'm more down on Kansas than than you guys are, uh, and and that's for maybe a separate pod. But the things that we talked about last week then arose uh, in in their game against Marquette. Uh, but to me, it's not hot. It's that that takes not hot because Baylor can ride a different guy on a given night. And Ray J. Dennis was he was fantastic. He was absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic against Florida on a team that has a top five, top ten pick in Walter. Yes, it's not a hot take. It's a it's a it's a take. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm looking down through everything. They they are just as talented as Houston. I think. Top to bottom, they're just as talented as Texas. I think, as far as as far as college players are concerned, I I just you know, as unlikable as he is, I think Hunter Dickinson is the best player in that league, best college player in that league. He is. Uh, But as a whole, I think Baylor, lukewarm take, lukewarm take, but not not to a point to where I wouldn't be able to just put it down if it were a cup of tea. So here's here's the way that I would justify it: Jacoby Walter is a top ten pick. I think Eve Missy is. Uh, a first round pick, whether that's this year, next year, maybe the year after. I think that Ray J. Dennis has proven himself to be a terrific college point guard. Um, and I think that what we saw out of him against Florida is going to be what we see out of him for most of the rest of the season, as opposed to, you know, kind of what we saw against um, Auburn. Uh, Jalen Bridges is a six foot eight athletic dude that is shooting 55% from three right now. Uh, and I don't think that we've necessarily seen the best out of. Jay Nunn, Langston Love, your boy Miro Little, um, T.O. I, I just I love what this team has, and I think that there is a uh, if you are a betting man and you can go type into BetMGM right now and get them as the third best team in the Big Twelve, then that is uh, there is some value on taking them to win the Big Twelve this season. I don't think that that's necessarily crazy. All right, take number two. We're heading back to the Big East on this one. We didn't talk about it for biggest winners in feast week but i think colorado state there's an argument to be made was the yeah. single biggest winner of anybody in that conference uh if you listen to the mountain west insider podcast we had nico medved on there um they beat creighton by 21 trey alexander was one for 16 from the floor he made his first shot in that game 
Baylor Shireman, Stephen Ash- Baylor Shireman sprained his ankle at the end, so I don't want to go too hard on him. But Stephen Ashworth, Baylor Shireman, Trey Alexander were frankly terrible in that game. So yeah. here's my take: is that Creighton, you have to, we have to take them out of the category of potential national title contenders. And the reason I say that is because if you can get them, if you can limit what they do in transition, and you can take them out of what they want to run. They don't have anybody that can get you something easy unless it's coming out of offense or out of transition. Trey Alexander does not necessarily have the athletic ability to beat that first line of defense if you have a good defender on him. Steven Ashworth is not quite a point guard at the Big East level. And Baylor Shireman is kind of like a combo, right? So you don't really have a guy that can make life easy for everybody else. You have Greg McDermott sets and you have a transition. And if you don't have that, then they become a team that is uh, relatively easy to guard. Is that a hot take? Fan, I'll go to you first on that one. That is a hot take. That is a hot take. They had a bad day, a very bad day, an awful day. Colorado State had much to do with it, a heap of credit, belongs to Nico Medved for the game plan of really making Creighton execute in the half court uh, and, and making them uncomfortable. Now, they made a one of the best shot makers in the sport uncomfortable in Trey Alexander. Isaiah Stevens is also a – this might be a hot take, but I don't think – he's a sleeper All-American candidate nationally. He is that good. He is that good of a player. Part of a Mountain West that, yes, could send four teams to the NCAA tournament. But they they, they rebounded the ball well, uh, and Stevens is just elite. He's an elite playmaker. And Medved's a really good coach. Like, Nico Medved's not going to be at Colorado State forever because he's going to move up. He's going to get a bigger job, and he should. He deserves it. Uh, But is it a hot take to say Creighton's out of the conversation at the top of the country? It is a hot take. They had a bad loss and an awful showing. Uh, Let's revisit this next week because I think they play in one of the most intriguing games in the country this week when they are at Nebraska on Sunday. Nebraska, who on our hot take show, I said we'll dance this year, and I still believe it. I think they're the Northwestern of the Big Ten this year. Uh, they've got veterans. Casey Tobinaga's a stud, but beyond that, with Wilcher and company, good supporting cast. Let's see if Creighton can handle that test in Lincoln. You lose that game in Nebraska, Rob. Your take ain't so hot. But I'm going to give them one pass. Sometimes you have a crappy day, like my Cleveland Browns had yesterday. Sometimes you have a crap sandwich. Creighton's leftovers were bad. Let's give them a pass, and let's see if they can recover. I'm asking Terrence Oglesby to give them one pass. Yep, I'm giving them a pass. The same way I gave Florida Atlantic a pass whenever they played Bryant. So, uh, yeah, and you saw how how quickly that changed things for Dusty Man Company. Uh, Trey Alexander can get past, past that first line of defense. It's just since Ashworth is there, he's been relied on more to score. I think they can find ways to get downhill. Um, I, I think Trey Alexander can be that guy. So I'm going to go cold take. I think cold take on that one. Fair enough. We'll see uh, what comes to fruition there. For the record, uh, I really like that team, I really like those players, and I want it to work out. So I will be rooting for Creighton unless they are playing the UConn Huskies. Um, now, how about they haven't played anybody though? Nebraska hasn't played anybody. Yeah, anybody, anybody. Yeah. So that that's a that's a litmus test game for them. They've played Lindenwood, Florida A and M, Ryder, Stony Brook, <laughs> Oregon State, which might as well be a whack team, and Duquesne and Cal State Fullerton. Hey, so no, du- no Duquesne slander here. All right. We do not slander Duquesne on this. Podcast. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not slandering Duquesne. Sorry. Yeah, they're the Duquesne. Uh, Day Day Grant, stud. stud. Jimmy Clark the third, stud. Mm. Um, all right. Next take, day, take Next number take, three. Take number three. The best transfer on Arizona, and the guy that is going to change what this program can be, and the reason why this team can get to the Final Four, is yeah. not your boy Caleb Love. It's the homie Kashad Johnson the second leading scorer on that roster, the leading rebounder on that roster, the best shot blocker on that roster, and a guy who, by the way, is currently, as of today, shooting better from three than the homie Caleb Love. Kashad Johnson is the game-changing piece that Arizona needed to be able to compete for a national championship. T.O., is that a hot take? Is he the second best player on that team? 
Best transfer. Best transfer. Basically, so. he's more important than Caleb Love. Okay, so let's dumb this down. Uh, I disagree. Okay. That's a cold, that's a cold take, and the reason being, I think there's going to be times you have to create offense. Defense is always going to be there in the tournament. You have to find a way to get some offense. That's where Caleb Love is valuable. Uh, you've seen what Caleb Love can do by bringing North Carolina to a national championship game. Let's be honest. Yeah. He brought them to a national championship yeah. game because he was awesome. You also saw the bad side of Caleb Love. Uh, but to say he's the second most important transfer or the the, the most important transfer, I, I think, is wrong just simply because of the volatility that Caleb Love is and the the ceiling that you can get with Caleb Love. So I would say cold take. He, cold take. I, very good player. Not the most important transfer. What I would say to that is, and look, I, what you're saying, I'm about changing the question to politicize this a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you are. But what, what I, so the, I think the game against Michigan State really emphasized what Caleb Love can bring to the table, right? Because I think it, well, Arizona was up like 16 in the first half, and the Michigan State really locked down defensively in the second half, made life really difficult for Arizona to be able to get good shots. And then there was about like a five possession stretch where, Caleb Love got to the lane twice, had a couple layups, had an assist, and then missed a layup and got a tip in. And it kind of like it broke things open because he was the only guy that could actually go out and create something on his own, which, you know, maybe he could transfer to Creighton too at some point, by the way. Um, but I think like that's really important. And I'm not trying to minimize what Caleb Love is, but I think the reason why Arizona is one of four teams right now that is top 10 in the country in offensive and defensive efficiency when they struggled defensively last year is the presence of Kashad Johnson. Fanta, where do you stand? Well, I think that it's an, so it's an accurate take in his importance on the team because of a winning perspective. He knows how to win and it's, he's producing winning plays for Arizona late in these games. I mean, he did it at Duke. He did it against Michigan State. Guys, if Kashad Johnson's not on the floor for Arizona, Michigan State beats Arizona. That's how much I thought Johnson meant to that game in the last four minutes of the game. Michigan State played the best half they've played all season in the second half against Arizona. They just ran out of gas. And by the way, fellas, by the way, if Michigan State doesn't beat Baylor on December 16th in, in Detroit, Michigan State's going to go into Big Ten play. Now, they have a couple Big Ten games to start because the Big Ten actually has conference games this upcoming weekend. Michigan State will be in conference play with zero quality wins. Zero. Point zero. Wild. It's wild when you think about it like yeah. that. And the Big, Ten, the Big Ten's not as great as it's been. That's concerning, okay? That's like, hey, you might, you, you'll make it, or I think you'll make it, uh, but you're like a 7-10, 8-9 type of game when we had this team as a potential national champion. Hey, hold, right. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They played Nebraska before they played Baylor. You can't say that's a big game for Creighton and Nebraska and then be like, well, they don't play anybody until Baylor. Can't do that, Fanta. I did not say that. That's, said, that's what it's not like. What you're problem. seeing right here is Fanta's anti-Husker bias coming out. Why? Finally, it's been exposed. That whole flat state's going to be pissed at you. <laughs> No, they won't. Those people don't have mean bones in their body. They're some of the nicest people. That's true. trip out there, and you will. They are just the nicest folks out there. I can't wait to. I'm Creighton and and Nebraska fans. I'm coming your way at some point. I got to find a way there. Fanta is now just trying to butter up the Nebraska fans that he just insulted. We're I'm on to your tricks, Fanta. I'm on to your tricks. Let me tell you something. I am buttering them up because if I butter them up enough, I'm going to get two free cows, and that's all I want. So that's it. Let me tell you, it's medium rare, baby. Right, Nebraska has red meat. Yes, it does. They, have, they do have some. There's a reason why they're called Omaha steaks, right? That's yeah. There's a reason why I actually got a couple uh, of. This is not an ad. I got a couple of Omaha steaks and a couple of Omaha steaks Wagyu burgers sitting in the fridge mm. right now that are going to be ready for uh, consumption this week. Once I uh, pretend that I'm I'm not on my diet anymore. Um, all right, it's take, point. It's the right take. I, I I agree with you. Although where I disagree is. Because Caleb Love can as good as he can be is the other way around. That's why he's probably the most important. Because if he is, but if he is bad, I don't want Tommy Lloyd to have to hitch his wagon to Love, and I don't think that'll be the case. I also just want to say that like Tommy Lloyd is sixty-five and eleven through seventy-six games as Arizona's head coach. That's fucking ridiculous. I think he's the most underrated coach in the country. 
65 and 11 is insane your first three years of the program all right take number take number four as of today right we talked about baylor potentially being the most talented team in the big 12 right do you guys know who the top three teams are on ken palm right now in the big 12 yes houston's at at number one yep kansas is at number two yeah to do you know who is at number three right now as of this very moment the three-piece combo Punching cougars out there at BYU. <laughs> yes, it is BYU. They are currently top 10 on Kempom. They are 6-0. and They beat San Diego State at home. They beat Arizona State by 28 out in, was that in Vegas? Which I can't remember which yep. that was. Out yes. Vegas for the fight. Yep, and, and the then Mich- they turned. Yeah, the Michelob the Ultra Arena. Yeah, the Michelob. Then they turn around and they beat NC State. By the way, the video of that fight is hilarious because one the dude punches the byu guy punches somebody while he's laying on the ground two the guy gets up and the kid the guy turns around and he's like he's got to be an mma fighter because he's just sitting there in his guard right he's got his legs up and he's got his hands ready to punch and as uh, the arizona state player is getting ready to throw a fist at him mark pope comes over and fucking textbook box out unbelievable box out one of the best box outs i've ever seen mark pope still got it man he can still play well he can still box out yeah they can they're good they're they're fine well that was my hot take was going to be is that right now on Kempom, if byu is a top 10 team then i think that that is uh maybe we need to uh not listen to Kempom for another month until we get to about christmas that's that's right yeah G- give it time to catch up here yeah okay that, but they're scoring the ball well i mean they are they, they have they're they're look let's be clear they are a very good team they have seven players averaging nine points or more per game i don't think they're a top 10 team in america no they're not they're not but they should be ranked in the top 20 today i yeah i have them 13th i think yeah i i have them 12th so let's let's phrase it like this to have you watched have you gotten a chance to watch much byu no i saw them last year it's a lot of the same guys they were good last year when i saw them battle for atlantis like i just I would have to see more. I have to see more. They're shooting the ball really, really well. There it is. My, what is my, it? You know, I put out the top 25. Kentucky 16th. I didn't really move them because they almost lost to St. Joe's at home. And question everything says Kentucky should be number 12 at the very lowest. Whatever. Whatever. All right. Um, yeah, BYU, uh, we'll we'll see. I'm not fully we'll buying it yet, but I'm not fully not buying it yet. They're, uh, they're getting the Big 12 bump, baby. Big 12 month. They're their first time. Well, they got uh Utah at Utah in what is a very intense rivalry on Saturday, December 9th. Good um, game. And then after that, like they'll get Baylor at Baylor on January 9th. So those are going to be the two kind of litmus tests for BYU. All right. Last one I got for you. You ready? Yeah. Not only is FAU back, FAU never left, baby. FAU's right here. FAU is ready to go. Did I steal that line from you, T.O.? You said it last night, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You stole it from me. That's not a hot take at all. Yeah, they never left. They played one game against Bryant where Earl Timberlake took the air out of the ball and they couldn't score, and they just had one guy stall the entire game. That's what happened. And then now they're getting healthy. They're still doing all the right things. They're still guarding. Goldens can compete with anybody. They never left. Don't worry. FAU, you're still very, very good. The, the seating has to pan out perfectly to make another Final Four run. All of that's a given. That being said, it'll be a fun year in Boca. Yep. Can I throw hey. some stats at you real quick, Fanta? So hey, Elijah hey. Martin in FAU's first three games when he was banged up, averaged 6.7 points, shot 19% from the floor, and was 4 for 16 from three. Elijah Martin in three games in Orlando, Averaged 18.3 points, shot 43% from three, and was 10 for 25 from three. Jalen Gaffney, right, with Nick Boy banged up in 90 minutes in Orlando, averaged 11.7 points, 4.7 boards, and 4.7 assists with just two turnovers in three games as the starting point guard for FAU. That team's real, Fanta. They are real. I will go to my grave saying it. They're real. They're real. They, You know, you're allowed to have an off day right now. It, it, it. It stinks when you do, but they lost to Bryant, and it just goes to show you the current climate in this sport. It, it, it goes to also show you, like, when people say that they can't believe when somebody wins in March Madness, what are you talking about? These teams 
won their conferences or came damn close to winning their conferences. There's 360 plus teams in college basketball. So when you put 68, the 68 best on the floor, Bryant's not one of the 68 best teams in the country. They're not even one of the best 100. Yeah, they beat FAU. It's basketball. You know, Terrence played it. And he and Rob, you played it some. And I played the St. Chris Holiday Tournament. Actually got a double technical foul for kicking a kid in the head. We won in overtime. I don't care. <laughs> Fact is, anything can happen. Any- Zero remorse. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't. I don't have remorse. He called me pudgy and he's an asshole. The fact is, anything can happen. It's college hoops. And FAU had a bad showing and they're better off because of it. Because at the end of the day, John L. Davis and Elijah Martin didn't lose what they had. Uh, and, and Vlad Golden, he went seven for seven against Virginia Tech. They beat Virginia Tech by 34. Virginia Tech will not get beat that bad again all season long. FAU's fine. The Owls are still hooting. <laughs> hooting. How long were you sitting on that line? I was not. That was it good. Just, oh, it just man, that was blurted good. out. They're hooting on. They're hooting on. FAU, <laughs> FAU never left, baby. FAU, FAU never left. left. FAU, FAU never left. left. Tio, that was a good line, man. Yeah. Um, listen, this has been the DTF podcast. It's been fun. Make sure you uh, you check us out. The Field of 68 tip-off is going to be happening down in Boca Raton. We have Florida Atlantic and Liberty, one of the best games in college basketball this week on Thursday night, 6 p.m. That'll be on ESPNU. We have Liberty Charleston at 6 p.m. on Flow Sports on Friday from Boca Raton. And then on Saturday at 6 p.m., it'll be FAU and it'll be Charleston. Uh, 6 o'clock, that again will be on ESPNU. You'll, we'll have pregame shows there all three nights. We will doing be doing After Dark live from there all three nights. So make sure you uh, you check it out. FAU, Boca Raton, it's going to be fun. I I can't wait to get to the beach, man. I'm going to put my toes in the sand. Maybe crack a Corona, fun. listen to a little bit of Zach Brown, you know. Can't have a you. great time and watch watch UConn play Kansas. Yes, we will. Then here's here's the kicker. On Friday night, we will be starting live at 11 p.m., which means the start of the show will be the end of the UConn-Kansas game live. I'll have to watch while hosting a show with Matt McCall and with Jeff Goodman. So if you want to see me stress my ass off while trying to do a live television show, tune in. Watch. I've got you guys. I there. think this time can't wait for that Friday. This time next week, gentlemen, you think we got stuff figured out? I think we're going to all be circling back next Monday and we're going to be saying, what on earth is going on? I think these two conference challenges this week are going to produce some insane results. That's the best part about this sport, Fanta. Best part about the sport. Listen, for John Fanta, for Terrence Oglesby, who has been dealing with, uh, with let's just say, Dude. house issues. Dude, house issues. yeah. How that's why he keeps that's why he keeps disappearing. He's not the for the people that are watching this on YouTube. He had a pipe to, burst. Yeah. I, I go to Disney on Ice last night with the kids. Come back six o'clock and it's shooting water to the roof in my bathroom. That that's so I got why people T.O. walking in and out of my house constantly. The, that's why he keeps leaving and looking out the shades. It's not because he's being stalked. It's not because he's uh, no. in in the crosshairs of like the the FBI or anything. Like you don't have anything to worry about. Tio's fine. He just yep. has some repair people at his house, making sure that the uh, he doesn't have to entirely redo his kitchen and his um, his bathroom. Yeah, so, unreal. Yeah, this has been the DTF podcast. Housing advice for free.